In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Good day, Father Tom and Anthony. Today we're going to look at St. Paul, St. Paul's life, and how he was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start by reading Acts 7, verse 55. But filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, because they thought it was blasphemy, and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died, and Saul approved of their killing Stephen. We know that the conversion of Paul is related to the forgiveness of Stephen. Hold not this sin against them. Oh, yes. Now, who are you keeping from God's love today that you're not forgiving them? Who am I keeping from God's love today that I'm not forgiving them? You see, it was all Stephen. He forgave everyone, especially the one that was approving the death of Stephen. His name was Saul. Who do we hold from God by not forgiving? Well, let's continue now and look at the ninth chapter of uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the synagogues at Damascus, so that they who found any who belonged to the way, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Why was Paul, or Saul, so adamant against Christians? That's a big question. I always asked myself that question until I read it in the Scriptures. Cursed is the man who dies upon a cross. Saul heard the Christians calling Jesus the Son of Man, the Son of God. And he said he can't be the Son of God. He can't be the Messiah. Why? Because he was a curse. He died on a cross. He died on a tree. And so Paul, or Saul, before he was named Paul, tried to kill and arrest every Christian. Now, it's important that we read Saul's letters 
because he tells us he, Jesus, became a curse so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh yes, he did become a curse. Cursed is the man who dies upon a cross or on a tree. He became a curse so that we, you and I and Anthony, would become the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh yes. As he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. What's this light? This is the Shekinah glory. Shekinah glory. This is the heavy glory of God. It all relates to Stephen's forgiveness. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now this is very interesting, because Saul never saw Jesus, but he's persecuting the Christians, and Jesus is the head, and the Christians are the body. How do you think Paul gets that analogy from his conversion? To be persecuting the Christians would be persecuting Jesus. Oh yes, let's not persecute each other. As I've often said, our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is the devil. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Oh, yes. Do we persecute Jesus by throwing each other down? Oh, yes. We've got to look at this in our lives and see what's happening in our lives what we're doing with our mouth, because our mouth is related to the heart, heart trouble. We need to know that we need to be like Jesus said, if these people are not against us, they're for us. Oh yes, we know of a beautiful minister in New Hampshire, beautiful man of God. He preaches the Savior of the world. He preaches the glory of God. He preaches the majesty of God. And I'm going to have Anthony talk about Miles a little. Yeah, you know, talks about Miles is great because he talks about they preach the kingdom of God. And he preaches what came with the package of Jesus, what, what operates in the kingdom. You know, he preaches that in the kingdom there's healing, there's love, there's glory, there's unity, there's power, there's might, and that's all for you. The devil is only afraid of Christians who walk in the power of God, who walk in all the gifts that Jesus gave to us. You know, uh, we'll, the devil will leave you alone if you're not walking in the power of God, if you're not bringing other people into the kingdom. If they're not against us, they're for us. Christians are supposed to work, you guys, we're supposed to walk together in one body, in one unity, in one mind, in, in just in oneness with Christ. 
We see in the world how crazy everything is. For us as Christians to be divided is just nuts, and it's not as God. It's not of God. But God wants to bring us from a place of conversion. We're talking about Saul today, and Saul. He was the greatest evangelist in the history of the church after he became from Saul to Paul because God transformed him. You know, when he was walking to Damascus, the light from heaven hit him. And you know, when we get hit with the light of heaven, he went right on his face. It can knock us down. The light of God can be jolting because it breaks everything we think of this world. And the light of God is the power of God. So when the power of God hits us, you know, it makes us, it shakes up everything we thought we knew. And as we see going forward, you know, Paul, he became blinded. He'll become blinded, but then he needs to rely on others. Like we need to rely on other Christians. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to rely on God's goodness. You know, a, a big sin is self-reliance. You don't want to have to rely on yourself. You want to rely on God and the people of God. Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul saw Jesus Christ. And in this event, Saul becomes an apostle, the 13th apostle. Oh, yes. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight, neither did he eat nor drink anything. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am. Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, straight street and at the house of judas look for a man of tarsus named saul at this moment he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named ananias coming in to lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight now ananias is thinking but lord this is the guy that's persecuting christians this is the guy that put the okay to kill stephen Ananias is saying, God, do you have your, your words right? He's thinking this, but listen to what he says. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and the kings, before the people of Israel. You see? Then it says, I myself will show him 
how much he must suffer for the sake of my name, not with cancer, not with arthritis, but with persecution. Oh yes, Paul, Saul is going to be persecuted. The Jews are going to hate him. He's one of their own. The Gentiles receive him. The Gentiles receive him. Why? Because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter is the apostle to the Jews. This is amazing. You know, it makes me think about it being amazing how God in the early church gave visions like this quickly. You know, those visions are for us too. Maybe they may not seem like a vision, but the Lord says, don't go down that road. Don't talk about that today. That's a vision. Oh, I was often uh, <laughs> told that by the Lord. One day I thought I was going to uh, talk about Palm Sunday, about the donkey that, they, uh, that Jesus rode on. And the Lord said, don't talk about the donkey. Talk about minimalism, how people in the church want to be minimalistic rather than totally giving their lives to me. Minimalism, talk about minimalism. So I changed my talk. I talked about minimalism. And it's that same, the same way in the church today. Oh, yes, I go to church on Sunday. But what do you do on Monday? You just go and praise God on Sunday. What do you do on Monday? You live like the devil? I tell you, that's minimalism. People who go to church and don't live their life of faith seven days a week, they're not Christians. Oh, we're going to fall, of course, but by the grace of God, we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. You don't want to be minimalistic. You know what St. Paul says in the 12th chapter of Romans? I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice of praise, which is your spiritual worship. Surrender. It's not about minimalism. It's about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice before the Lord. It's not about minimalism. Well, you know, I go to confession once a year. My Lord, if you knew your sins, you'd go very much more often. Minimalism. God hates minimalism. And many people in the church are into minimalism. What does it mean that I commit a mortal sin? How far can I go? You shouldn't even be thinking about a mortal sin. Minimalism. Yeah, all Jesus wants from you is everything. He wants it all. He wants your life. He wants your pain, your anxiety, your trauma. Because he wants to fill you with everything. Everything of the kingdom, everything of heaven, everything of good. And it comes with the inflow of the Holy Spirit. You know, before Paul, he got hit by the light of God. But even with that light of Jesus... And seeing him, he was still blind for three days. 
because he had yet to receive the Holy Spirit. But you know, it says going forward upon Ananias laying hands on Paul and him receiving the Holy Spirit. It's like the scales came off of his eyes and he could see for the first time. You know, if we could see as God sees, if our heart could beat as God's heart beat, we would never live minimalistic. You would live to give God everything because you would want to receive everything from heaven. You'd want to open up wide to the love and the glory and the grace of God. You know, we know that sin separates us from God because in God's great mercy, he allows you to be separated because he wants you to stop sinning so you can be perfected in love. You know, Jesus and God tells us, he who loves me will obey my commands. And it's very simple. We obey the Lord's commands. We live by grace now. But in that grace, we have the grace to overcome sin and therefore overcome torment. And as Jesus was in this world, we can be also. You know, we're going to see that God can do anything and he does anything he wants in heaven. He takes the greatest persecutor of Christians and make him the greatest evangelist to the Gentiles in the history of the church, bringing the people who had no communion with God into his kingdom, into God's light, into his love, into his revelation. And on, and that's what you're called to do. You're first called to receive the Holy Spirit and come into all of God's glory and goodness. But then you're called like Paul to preach and to bring others from darkness into light. And yes, you may be persecuted, but Saul celebrated in his persecutions. You know, it, Saul tells us that if we're persecuted for the gospel, it only means that you have the glory of God on your life. Not only did he accept persecutions, he celebrated in them. He celebrated because as we share in Christ's suffering, we partake in his glory. You know, he shared and he gloried in his persecutions because he could be united to Jesus through his cross. The only thing Paul feared was to offend God. He would gladly endure any beatings, deaths, persecution. He tells us, you know, to die would be to... His advance would to die to be for him to die would be to his glory because he would get to go to be with Jesus. But he lives and you live for everyone else in this world so that Jesus can work through you and release his kingdom through you on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it's something. When Paul cared more about offending the Lord than any suffering he could ever endure, he might have been through a lot, but he walked in supernatural peace and joy and comfort. Because in the storm and in the midst of anything, he had given it all to Jesus. And he had only Jesus residing in his heart, only the love of God residing in his heart. You know, if our life doesn't have purpose, then we can become lost. 
But as soon as our life becomes purposeful, fully purposeful, that we're here to serve the Lord, and we're here to love God and be loved by God, we can walk in this world as Jesus walked in this world, as Paul walked in this world, where your life is marked in history, in eternity, that, you know, Paul, Paul's actions on this earth will reside into eternity. Without Paul and what he did and his yes to Jesus, we wouldn't be preaching and all of reality would be different. Your whole life would be different from one man's yes 2,000 years ago. So, Lord, just the anointing you've given Paul, that flash of light that came from heaven, you taking the scales off of Paul's eyes, letting him receive the Holy Spirit, transforming and transfiguring him from Saul to Paul. Wear your children too, Lord. Release that love, that anointing, that revelation of your truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Where there is truth, where there is the spirit of God is there is freedom. Let us walk in the freedom that Paul walked in. That he might have been in handcuffs in the flesh, but in the spirit, he always walked in complete love, freedom, and joy of the Lord. We want that too. Amen. We want that too. Let's continue. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house, and he laid he laid hands upon Saul, saying, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the way has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit was no Holy Spirit yet given to him. The Holy Spirit comes through the laying on of hands. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Do you know that Saul, who became Paul, was shipwrecked? Do you know that Saul, who became Paul, was beaten with whips, 39 lashes, three or four times? Do you know that Saul, who became Paul, was put in prison? Do you know that he wrote his uh, greatest works, Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians, while he is in prison. Yes, all this was done for the love of God. He loved Jesus so much that he would go through all this for Jesus. I tell you, we need at least a thousand people like St. Paul to cover the earth because today things are so dark and there's only one light. His name is Jesus. And people need to preach him. People need to love him. People need to come to him. People need to give their lives to him. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice of praise, which is your spiritual worship, not counting the times you go to Mass. I tell you, Mass is 
the best because you received the body and blood of the Lord and hear his word. But minimalism is against God. And so many people are into minimalism. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And after some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, to kill Paul. But their plot became known to him. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through the opening in the wall, lowering Saul in a basket. So Saul wasn't very big. He's being lowered down in a basket. I tell you, he was big in the spirit, maybe not in the flesh. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.